Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, we welcome you uh, today to the Storyform podcast, and I have as my special guest, uh, Jeremy Hunt, and for those who've been around Fellowship, uh, Jeremy and Kristen are members at at Fellowship Bible Church, Um, and for the last several years, uh, both Jeremy and Kristen have been uh, missionaries that have kind of been sent out from Fellowship, um, missionaries that that we support um, and that are kind of our own, if you will. Uh, but both Jeremy and Kristen have um, been involved in a ministry in the country of Haiti, and uh, they have worked for a ministry there called Mission of Hope. And so, uh, Jeremy, I asked him, he's here visiting uh, family uh, for just uh, a week or so. And uh, so while he was here, I asked him to come on the podcast just to check in with him and hear a little bit about the work that God is doing through both he and Kristen uh, in the country of Haiti and to hear a little bit more about his story. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited. Uh, Definitely. It's my first podcast experience, so hopefully uh, we, we do this well. Yeah, well... I'm looking forward to talking to you, uh, and let's just begin by, tell me a little bit about the mission and the vision of Mission of Hope. Sure. So, Mission of Hope started back in the, in the 90s, really, in, in Haiti, and you know, our big vision, vision, we would say, we, we want to see life transformation for every man, woman, and child, and originally that was in Haiti, and now that's kind of expanded in, in what that looks like. Uh, but starting out in Haiti, there's, there's this really interesting mix of um, what you might call mercy ministry, of, of feeding and, and education and all these things that are, that are really impactful in people's lives there. Um, but coupling that with uh, ex- explaining the gospel and mm-hmm. sharing the gospel with people at, at the same time that these things can go hand in hand they don't need to be you know mutually exclusive of one another and so w- longing to see what what we call life transformation so that's a holistic view through Jesus Christ so Jesus has to be a part of that um, and that started in Haiti and now we're in the Dominican Republic and in other parts of the Caribbean and just continuing to expand really wherever the Lord would would take us mm-hmm. so when you say life transformation it is the the holistic part of saying we want to um, help with the tangible needs of, of food shelter education um, but but doesn't stop there um, yeah. ultimately it moves to this gospel proclamation and the work of discipleship and partnering with local churches yeah. and absolutely I think you know it has for us that has to be a part of it mm-hmm. that if we have done all the good things to to feed you to shelter you, um, to give you an education, all of those things, and yet we've never shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you, then we've missed something. So we've, we've missed the biggest thing uh, because we've, we've given you food, uh, but we haven't, we haven't shown you the bread of life. Mm-hmm. You know, We've given you water, but you're going to get thirsty again tomorrow. Um, but we can lead you to living water. Will you never be thirsty again? Mm-hmm. You know th- those type of things that that we we always want to have that that in our mind, and not to the thing that hey, y- you know, if you're not open to the gospel, we're, we're not sharing our food with you. It's not that, mm-hmm. but it is. I mean, everything we do, we want to do with an intentionality because we want people to see and to feel, and to hear Jesus through through what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So you guys have been in Haiti for how long? I know that I know that things now are different um, yeah. for listeners here because of COVID, because of some of the uh, turmoil within the country. You guys have have been more on the state side uh, right. of the operations in Austin, Texas. But yeah. how how many years were you actually uh, on the ground in Haiti? Yeah, so we moved to Haiti in the fall of 2017. Okay, so we were there for. A little over two years, a little more than two years, and then uh, kind of relocated working at our stateside offices, which are based in Austin, Texas, uh, and have been there ever since. Mm-hmm. So what is it about Haiti that 
captured you that you said, we're going to move with my, my wife, our young kids, and we're going to live in this country. What was it that first captured your, your heart, your, your, your affection, your vision? Mm. It's, that's an interesting uh, question because my wife and I, we always had a feeling from the beginning of our relationship that we were going to be involved in missions in some capacity um, and wanted to do that long term. And so we had that vision when we were in college, dating, even moving to Jackson and working at Fellowship. There was always the thought, okay, we'll be here for a while, but at some point we're going to be on the mission field. And we started getting more involved in Haiti um, through fellowship, obviously. And, and we took our first trip, I think, I believe it was 2012, either 2012, 2013. I think it was 2012. And on that trip, I remember my, my wife saying, well, do you think God would ever bring us here? And I said, you know, I really don't think so. I'd, I'd, uh, we, we both had connections with Sub-Saharan Africa through different trips and experiences in college and high school and things like that. And so felt like, okay, maybe that's where the Lord is leading us. And then it was just when we got to the point in uh, 2016, 2017, then when we were really starting to look into missions agencies and where we were going to serve and what we were being called to, uh, we, we came pretty close to looking at these other places that were based in Africa. And the Lord... Um, even though we we loved Haiti and and our experiences there on the short term trips, we we had not before then felt like okay he's calling us here. But the Lord just started making it very clear with these different steps along the way that this is the path He was bringing us on. Um, and I don't even think, uh, and maybe this is this is some of um, uh, a prideful piece even for me is for years I thought I'm going to Africa and it's this far away distant land. And that's where God is calling us to. And, and Haiti didn't seem quite as glamorous because it's mm-hmm. okay. It's right here in the Caribbean. It's a two-hour flight from Miami. Mm-hmm. You know um, that there was almost like okay, I'm I'm falling short of where God was planning on me being. Mm-hmm. Um, but God was gracious to me to, to walk with me through that and and just show me more and more. It's like this is where I'm calling you. So you know, don't you don't need to to wear any expectation from me or or guilt or even what you had shared with people years ago that, oh, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, if this is what I'm calling you to now. And it's clear, then, then walk in that. And so um, when we got to that point, when th- these different doors began opening, we, we kind of uh, ended the conversation with these other places, other missions agencies we were talking to and kept, started really pursuing Mission of Hope and they they saw a need for what we did. My wife's a nurse practitioner, and they needed a medical coordinator on the ground um, that to start the fall that we were going to move down there. And uh, saw different things and and my skill sets that that we thought we could use and everything. And so the Lord really made it clear. So I, it's it's kind of a roundabout way that we came back to it. it wasn't necessarily. We went to Haiti and fell in love with Haiti. He's like, man, we just got to find a way to get there and serve him. We we knew we wanted to serve him mm-hmm. and wanted to do that in in missions and serving the church and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he he did that in a way we didn't expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So open the door and and it was a different. Still, the heart for God's people internationally, but um, he opened the door to a different location, a uh, different place. Um, so. Jeremy, over the years that you lived uh, on the ground, uh, that you were there in in Haiti, what what were some of the real challenges you faced? Mm. Well, yeah, there's. I think anytime you step long term into an, another culture rather than your home culture, mm-hmm. you're going to face a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be even, you know, you move to London, England, you're going to face challenges because you're outside of your home culture. You're facing stresses that you've never faced before. You're in, you're in unfamiliar circumstances. Now you, you compound that. I think the further you get away from your culture in terms of, of expectations and, and, and we think about, okay, what does that culture value about time? What does that culture value about relationships? Uh, and what is, what is, what is their expectations of what 
good behavior is and what what behavior is completely acceptable that we would never accept in our own culture, those sorts of things. So the, the further you get away from your own culture, so, you know, um, if you're serving in Bangladesh, that's that's much further removed than if you go to London, England. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say anywhere you go outside of your home culture is going to be stresses. Um, but the further you get away from your own, and, and there's a lot of differences when you come to Haiti. And it's not just differences in culture, but there's obviously the um, political issues that are there. There's the poverty issues that are there. Um, there's the the lack of infrastructure that's there in the country. And so, um, man... I, Trying to think about what I might say were were the biggest stressors. I would say uh, so. One of them for us, we worked for a large organization, mm-hmm. so we ha- we had a lot of support in what we were doing and caring for us and thinking about things that that missionaries that are kind of more off on their own they might have to worry about more. So when you're talking about security issues or you know how do we logistically how do we get from the airport to where we live safely those sorts of things you know we did, we never thought about that there were other people that on the ground that thought about those things um but when you talk about a family we had two kids when we moved down there uh i believe they were 3 and 4 months old and the logistics of getting your entire family down there and what you needed and not having, you didn't have Walmart down the road you could just drive to. Uh, you had local markets, but all the conveniences that you have here that you can get at a moment's notice that we just take for granted, and I, I know I have, uh, you don't have there. And so the planning ahead and trying to figure out, okay, what do we need? What, what are we going to get for our kids and that kind of stuff? Um, and we actually, we would come back and forth. Uh, a fair amount because we we didn't have long term residential visas, so about every three four months we'd come back uh, for a few weeks. Okay, um, and norm- normally be in Jackson at that point, and then go back to Haiti as well. So there was that constant kind of back and forth, and how do I pack up for a whole family? And my wife definitely she bore a lot of that burden. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big stress for us. It was like the back and the forth, and then there was the unknown times that we got pulled out of the country. Mm-hmm with less than 24 hours notice because of political unrest that was happening because of uh, fuel shortages that were happening in the country. And man, we're about to be out of fuel and we can't even run a generator to power our campus, that kind of stuff. Uh, that was definitely, those are huge stressors that, that happened for us. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, just time, time and relationship mm-hmm. of, of we are a very instant gratification culture mm-hmm. and you can have stuff the moment you want it. I mean, you, even looking from 10 years ago to now, I mean, you talk about Amazon Prime and I can have I can have what I want tomorrow delivered to my doorstep and I don't ever have to leave my house, right. all that kind of stuff, which is in itself is may not be a bad thing. I, I love Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. But um, then living there where, okay, yeah, we really need to get this thing in here to finish this project. Well, that may take two weeks. Right. Because I got to talk to this guy and, and we have a relationship and I don't want to make him mad to force it. So I'm not even really going to push it with him and so you 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 have these connections and and projects take longer and um you know you you're we're this blend of american and haitians working together on the ground we we had a lot more haitian employees than americans on the ground and so you have people stateside that are wanting to get something accomplished and on the ground you're seeing this could get done this afternoon if we were in america but it's it's going to take 3 more days mm-hmm. because of the people it has to go through the the you can't just walk in, sign something. You got to sit down and talk with someone and and ask how their family is and and have a conversation and, and go on for a, a good long while. And that has to happen with everybody. So when you're behind five other people and you get something done, you, you may not be seen today. You might, you might not. So there's so much more of that that kind of the the unknown and the when it comes to to time to to planning and and projects and and due dates and all that kind of stuff when you think of actual work schedules that that can really mess with our American minds. Mm-hmm. And they fully embrace it. And I, I don't say, you know, either one is right or wrong. There's just these different mm-hmm. things that have been ingrained in us. And, and you have to like slowly grow in that. And it, what's interesting, I feel like, is you could see even in our American workers on the ground that, that lived on the ground, 
with us. You know, you've been there for months, for years, and then you have the other Americans come in that you start to see things in them. You're like, man, you're you're really pushy and you really, you know, you're, you're really kind of demanding this is get done. This is going to take a while. What, what did you expect? And, and you start to, you kind of become this, um, enter into what, what we talk about, like this third culture mm-hmm. that you're somewhere in between, right. you know, you still see like, no, no, you know, I don't, I don't agree with the way that the Haitian mindset of, of the way this works, but you start to think it's like, well, I don't really agree with the way the the American, you know, there's actually some pretty good things about this. And so you start to get this weird blend of of things and you're, you're somewhere in between, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I imagine you probably feel that even more intense when you're, when you're there a period and you're here a period and you have times that you just when you're starting to get kind of settled there. Uh, you have a period where maybe you're here for a few weeks and all of the the differences uh, are reinforced. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's yeah. there's like funny things and and hard things when you when you go back and forth like that because you so quickly see the differences. Like you know, walking into Walgreens here and just feeling like you're in Disney World, walking up and down the aisles, right. just like man, I could pick thirty different flavors of gum right now. You know, and I, I couldn't get gum last week and, uh-huh. and, and thinking about all those things and it's just this, you know, magical place. But I can remember another time we'd just gotten back. We're actually driving in, in Georgia where my parents live and getting close to their neighborhood. And I thought, man, these, these are the roads that I kind of grew up on. They're not big, busy roads. And these would be the nicest roads in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, they, I, they can't even... I can't even dream of when the the everyday road in Haiti would look like this. And it may never be. And so like thinking th- those kind of things that you see and you kind of get you kind of get smacked with coming back and forth mm-hmm. uh is is so interesting. But then you on the on the flip side you do you go back to Haiti and you're like, "Man, what a beauty to see mm-hmm. the way they value these relationships." Mm-hmm. And the difference in and not that people didn't care about me at home but you know coming back in here after being gone three weeks and and these people they come in they need something from me but first they ask me how was your family oh how was your trip and ask all about all these questions about it and there's there's a beauty in that and a value in that that you see man okay we're we're, we have more stuff in america but we're kind of we're kind of missing some of this over here Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. uh I mean, I could go on forever with the differences yeah. that you you see in both places, but and it, you don't. I think what you have to do get to a point is not not glorifying one or the other. Mm-hmm. That seeing the seeing that there's good and there's bad in every culture and every um, thing, and so being able to celebrate that, but at the same time also being able to say, you know, what I guess you you get back to what is the Bible show about who we are and who God is and what our culture should look like and allowing that to speak not only to the Haitian culture that we are are ministering to but man allow that to speak to my own culture mm-hmm. and my own theology and my own church world that I grew up in and, and allowing it to speak to both of those things is is uh, a a powerful thing and it's a hard thing mm-hmm. it's so much easier to see the the flaws and everybody else but to look at ourselves and see that that's that's much tougher yeah and don't you think at best when we talk about short-term missions when we talk about opportunities i mean even as a church uh, for for years but when when haiti and the dominican were more open uh we would have opportunity i mean i think i've been there five times with my daughter um but the benefit is the exposure to a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. And and if we actually go in as learners to say, um, you know, our, our way of doing things, uh, our culture is not the panacea. It's yeah. not the dominant. Uh, it's not the way. Yeah. And so the benefit of kind of those short-term mm-hmm. mission experiences is that, uh, when it's actually processed in a good way, yes, to be able to come and to see, okay, how can I learn from this experience, yeah. and w- what are the things that uh, are revealing uh, when when I do uh, butt up against my own cultural bias, or uh, when I butt up against my own 
frustrations because they're not doing things the way we think they should be. Right, right. And, and, and I think that goes, Jeremy, I mean, you know this better than me, but I think that goes to the very story of modern missions in many ways that I think maybe the um, some of the downsides, some of the, um, the struggles of, of modern missions, say, over the last hundred years is the tendency to come in and uh, create people in our image. Yeah. Yeah. And we always have to be really careful of that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that that's not something uh, rather than coming in and saying, how do we learn and honor, yeah. uh, in incarnate yeah. within this unique culture? Right. Yeah. I, I, I like the way you said that, that, you know, when it's, when short term missions, when they're done the right way, and and being able to to notice and to see those things, um, because it, it is really easy for us to to go in to have an experience like that, and you walk away and you tell all your friends back home, you're like, man, if they could just do it like we do it, they could solve so many problems. They could, you know, and and that's and we get this mindset of, man, if they could just be more like us then it would solve the problems and not being willing to say sure there's there's things that maybe they can they can learn from us in in different you know different ways that maybe they haven't had the exper- experience to get to go get an education in a certain thing and things like that but but it, when we can go in as learners and say man what can they teach me mm-hmm. about what it means to trust god in hard circumstances mm-hmm. man when you can open up to that question, especially with Haitians, you, you're you're you are open to just the Spirit doing a, a crazy work in you to be able to see. And I thought, you know, I thought, okay, I'm trusting God in this hard circumstances. I don't know, you know, which school I'm going to get into and and which uh, which job I'm going to end up at and what's going on with this with my family. And not to not to say that those aren't important things and that we we can't be worried about things but when man when you're watching a family that is struggling to put food on the table and you see an incredible faith that the Lord is going to provide for them it it does something in you that's like wow okay that's some, there's something different there that that desperation that they're in has borne out in them that I haven't gotten to mm-hmm. I haven't gotten there so how can I how can I learn from that how can I I see that, and I think that that's a that's a very uh, important part of how do, how we do short term missions uh, and long term missions. Well, is is going in as learners as well, and and wanting to see what is God already doing, and and how can we be a part of that. So I, I thought of when you were saying just a, a small example of that gone wrong, really, and, and this is more maybe long term, but. You know, there's churches that have been planted in Haiti over the years, and w- you can see a, um, a a legalism that is in there with what you wear to church on Sunday mornings. And, and we see that in our own culture still in some places, but there was definitely a time where everybody had to wear a three-piece suit, and you better be dressed to the nines when you came to, to church on Sunday morning. And I'm not saying that, you know, we should show up like slobs, but mo- a lot of churches these days, you don't have to show up in a suit and all that kind of stuff. Well, because of what that, the time it was born out of in the American church, you have a lot of Haitian churches where that is the expectation. You have these very small churches, they're built in, in mud and sticks and all that stuff, and everybody's showing up in their Sunday best, these suits and everything, and it's like, man, they, they barely own a couple pairs of clothes, and yet they, because of what we've implemented that this is what church looks like that they've had to shell out this money to just to pay for this Sunday suit that they, you know, that's the only time a week that they have to wear that. And so they have to sacrifice or people, honestly, this is the the worst thing. People that say, well, I can't go to church. I don't own a suit. I don't have this and feel like they, they, they're too embarrassed to show up at church because they don't have the finer clothing and things like that. So that's where you see the downside of man. If we are, if we're putting our own cultural biases, our own um, legalistic tendencies, and and we all have them in different ways, then if we're putting that in there, then then it just gets it gets recreated and normally to to a not 
good end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I think that's probably the, the reality that, that many historically we've seen the error of coming in as, uh, as Westerners and trying to create a church that looks like a Western church yeah. uh, or an American church and the, the ideals. And, and so there is that constant work of, of missions of how do we, mm. how do we know our culture? How do we, uh, continually, um, uh, stay open uh, to our own bias and and our own uh, pride in in coming in as if ours our way is the way. Mm. Yeah. So, um, Jeremy, what do you if you could kind of think like what do you love about the Haitian culture? Mm. You mentioned a few. What are the things that you say? Oh, when you get back and you're there, and it feels like oh, this is a breath of fresh air Mm, yeah that's good um you know there's there's several things that the the people is the number one thing just the the people that you meet and the love that they share for you and they're ready to open up their their lives to you their best to you and to to share with you i mean i can remember we we hiked up to this remote school one day it was like hours up into these mountains hiking and stuff we finished at the school and and we're getting ready to leave and they said, "Oh no, we've prepared this meal." And they, you know, you know these people had very very little and that they would they took the time to prepare just because there were these guests in their mm-hmm. their town and stuff. And just the the love that you see there, the man, the the fierceness is not the word uh, I'm looking for. Um but just the the strength that the people have, man, all that the Haitian people have been through. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but Haiti was basically, it was really the first free uh, black country in the world. That they, it, was a, it was a slave community from the French, and they fought and gained their liberty. Hmm. And um, they've, they've paid a price for that, honestly. They've, they've, because of that, I mean, America and, and many of the other, you know, uh, Western countries it wouldn't trade with them and everything, you know, because at the time slavery was still mm-hmm. in in effect in 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 the U.S. and in Europe and all these different places, and no one wanted to to celebrate the fact that the slaves had overthrown uh, one of their ruling powers, and so you know they they've had economic hard time um, with all of that. Then obviously you talk about natural disasters. There's mm-hmm. constant hurricanes, then the earthquake that that happened uh, back in. 2010, mm-hmm. it was just devastating mm-hmm. to what was already a, a really tough place, uh, to a place that they used to call the Pearl of the Caribbean um, because of the bountiful natural resource and all that kind of stuff. And it it's in a much, much different place now. And that's a lot of different factors. Um, so all of that to say the, the resiliency of the people in the middle of that, mm-hmm. um, to be able to carry on day by day to love my family, to figure out just how, how do I scrap by and make a living? Um, you know, that I, I have no money and I have this one truck that can get me around. And we, we have a, you know, one, um, one head gasket that is broken on our car. We got to go to the shop for a week and get fixed. And, and they'll, they'll take a piece of cloth and figure out how to fix the car, tying up that piece of cloth and, mm-hmm. and drive it for another two months. You know, um, that kind of stuff that you watch happen is just just amazing mm-hmm. to see in the people. Uh, we loved, um, you know, we we started to get a little little more sick of rice and beans. Uh, <laughs> you know, the longer we were there, mm-hmm. but once you've been out of it for a little bit, you're like, okay, I really loved it. I wish I want a little more variety, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean, man, when you do have what's the, the Haitian food that you know we have. It's fried chicken with rice and beans, and they they fried plantains, yeah. and then man, they have these uh, this thing called pickles that is it's almost like a vinegar based coleslaw, what you might think, but it's spi- it's got this very spicy kick to it, so it's really not coleslaw when it comes down to it. But it, uh, you add that kind of mix that in with everything, and they have this red sauce that you put over the rice and beans, and man, uh <laughs> that is just it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So they they know how to. How to make some some great food? Yeah, they really. Uh, I, I can remember Jeremy. We were 
we were in the village somewhere and um i mean extremely extremely poor uh home i mean you know we were we were painting this home you might even been with us that trip but you saying that makes me think there was a woman who is is literally cooking on an open fire Mm -hmm. no no electric stove um and the smell, the unbelievable smell of all the spices she was putting in. Mm-hmm. And and I just was enamored watching this woman cook over, over an open flame this beautiful, just unbelievably smelling mm. roux yeah. that she was making yeah. uh, for the rice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think those are the things that, um, I mean, you would know better than me, but in my short experience of just seeing the... Um, the relationality, uh, the playfulness, uh, uh, the the laughter mm. uh, of the people, yeah. um, the resiliency. Um, they are, um, and again, that's the reason why we should be exposed to a country like Haiti. Because my first time there, I was in shock. Mm. Second, third, fourth time, you get used to yeah. it. But the very first time, I'd never seen poverty like that. Right. And I, 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 I kind of was at a place of like, I, I didn't, I was numb. I didn't yeah. know what to think. I yeah. didn't really have any emotion. Mm. I was just kind of disassociated because yeah. you look and you say, oh my, I mean, this, this is poverty. Um, and yet one of the people that we were with said, okay, this may look like poverty, but look around. Their dogs running around and their goats running around. It's not object poverty. Mm-hmm. That's just normal life in Haiti, mm. and um, and so I think that is the 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 reason why I think as a church we have so valued um, having those type of mission and ministry opportunities and exposing people. And, you know, due to COVID, due to some of the uh, political turmoil in Haiti, we it's been a while since yeah. we've been able to have uh, openness within that country. But um, if things get back to normal, if ever, um, I think that's something as a as a church, we want to continue to provide those opportunities and those uh, exposures for yeah, that. Absolutely. So shift a little bit here, Jeremy, and, and t- tell me this. I'm curious about just your own story. Um, when were you, at what age did you come to the realization that I think God is calling me to this this work of, of, of missions? Mm, yeah. Well, I grew up in... Um a family that loved Jesus and and we were at the church all the time and so grew up in the church and all that kind of stuff. Um and I would say but I would say it was probably in high school. Um we we I grew up in Marietta, Georgia and we went to I started going to a church in high school called Johnson Ferry Baptist Church. It's a large church in in Georgia and and they just had a a massive heart for missions. Um, and really, really strong um, push for short-term missions, and, and to encourage their their church members to be a part of that. And we would they, every spring break they would have a student trip that would go, and they would have you know, hundreds of kids that would go on these these trips uh, to Mexico at the time. And so I remember going on one of those trips for my first time. Like it was my sophomore year of high school, and thinking this is. This is kind of rocking my world a little bit, like like what you said when you went to Haiti. This is this is so different than anything I've ever experienced and seen. And man, God loves these people just as much as He loves me. So what does that mean? And and why are they in poverty and I'm not? And 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 just thinking through all those things. And so that that started definitely definitely the journey of God growing my heart for missions. Um, and then just, I think, some different key influential pieces along the way from high school and college that, that really led me down that path of, uh, we got to college, and um, when I was a freshman at Samford University, the we were in Birmingham, Alabama, and we went to a church called the Church of Brook Hills, and David Platt became the head pastor there my freshman year of college. 
and so he started the same kind of kind of the same time we did, and and we started we're like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. It's kind of before he was a known commodity with hadn't written Radical or any of that kind of stuff yet, but obviously he has a big heart for Nation. So beginning to him speaking. And uh, going, went to passion conferences, and Louis Giglio would talk about God's heart for the nations and His glory among the nations, and that just really began to stir more in me. It's like, man, what does that look like to be a part of what God is doing and making His name great and and spreading His fame to the nations, to the least of these, to the unreached? What does all that look like? Uh, so I took a couple summers in college as well that I spent a summer in North Africa, kind of doing a missions training program. I spent another summer in West Africa and Benin. And from there, it felt really like, okay, this is where God is leading me. And I mentioned earlier, that was somewhere my wife and I had thought, you know, early on that that was what we would, we'd kind of end up doing. We started dating my junior year of college and about a month into dating, we had, the the way that someone had someone had lovingly uh, kind of or teasingly maybe caught my eye on the the when we first started talking we were on spring break actually we're sitting on this beach and she's talking about how she went into the medical field she's going to be a nurse to be able to do medical missions mm. and uh, one of my buddies kind of sits up on the the beach he's looking over at me he's like hey you should uh, <laughs> You should talk to this girl, kind you know. I nudge you, you a little bit. Mission dude and uh, medical missions over here. And and uh, so about a month into us dating, I said, you know, I, I'm not trying to get too serious, too fast, and we're not committing to, to a lifelong relationship. But I was like, I just have to know, like, how serious are you about that? Because I think that's where the Lord is calling me. Mm-hmm. And if that's not where he's calling you, then, you know, maybe we just don't need to go further in this, uh, no matter where this goes. And she said, no, absolutely. I, I think that's what the Lord has put on my heart. And so and ever since then, it was the two of us together hmm. really saying, and the Lord has has done stuff in both of us separately and brought us together and given us this clear vision. Like, man, we, we want to see God's God's glory among, among the nations. So there was a time where I thought, okay, for sure, we're going to be going to work among the unreached somewhere. I mentioned before that we, you know, for sure we're going to end up in sub-Saharan Africa somewhere and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so Haiti was not where the vision that we had for our lives and and what being on the mission field was going to look like. But it, over and over again, God has just made it clear that that was where he had us for this season. And, and I don't even, I don't believe that, you know, that story is over forever. Not maybe, maybe Haiti, but, you know, our family actually living in another culture and, and ministering in that way. I mean, that could happen again, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got a lot of life left, and, and who knows where God will take us one day. Uh, but that's So that's kind of where he brought me and then us together to leading to these fat, pla- uh, sorry, past few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and just that, the encouraging reality as a college student that you were— uh, thinking of, I want to leverage my life for for the nations, for the unreached mm. people groups, yep. for people that uh, have have. I want my life to count for yeah. something. Yeah, I can't help but think that um, probably the environments that you were around, particularly like the teaching of a David Platt, yeah. would would be absolutely instrumental in in shaping and mm. forming and and. And and a passion conference, you For know. Sure. I, I just think. For sure. I, I don't even know statistically, but I, I imagine it would be a large number of people who God um, captured their heart and their imagination uh, through that experience yeah. during that age. Yeah. Uh, that that began to form uh, a vision for leveraging your life for for the nations rather than just settling for a convenient uh we're just gonna go and you know get a get a mortgage and live a comfortable life and um again god could use that just as well but just still having that forward looking uh reality for that so so jeremy in your experience how how do we as a church uh continue to um have a a vision uh and a heart for the nations. Mm. I think you have to start with, 
And why do, why do we have a vision and heart for the nations? It's because God does. Mm-hmm. You look in his word, like God, God loved the Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. But, but over and over again, you, you see these, these, these pictures in the Old Testament where he's using them to display his glory to the nations and to call the nations to himself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Jesus is, is driving out these, these people that, you know, the people selling their wares in the temple because they, where have they set up? They've set up where the Gentiles can come and worship God. Mm-hmm. They've, they've shut themselves off where they say, okay, we're going to, we're our own little selves. We're, we're our, we've got our quote unquote church here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the temple, and and we're good, so we're just gonna we're gonna use these out. So they had cut off people from from being able to come and and be in worship with in God, and and God has desired to go to the nations, and so you see that a glimpse of that in the old test Old Testament, and you see that obviously in the New Testament that Paul is sent out to the Gentiles and to take the good news to everybody mm-hmm. and and it's core to the great commission right it's the great yeah. commission right yeah. um that he he calls us to go and make disciples of every nation mm-hmm. and baptizing them and and so there's that piece right that god obviously he loves them he died for them mm-hmm. and cares for them so if he does that then man as his sons and daughters as someone that and he died for us we we ought to love what he loves, who he loves. And so God's burden for the nations and for the lost, we should share that. Mm-hmm. Now we can't fix all of that. We're not, we're not God. So we can't, we can't wear that burden of, and how do I bring the billions of lost people to s- salvation? Mm-hmm. We can't fix that. But what we can do is how, man, how do I be a part of that? Mm-hmm. How do I play the part that God has for me in this story? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a crucial piece of of that is is even asking that question that it's not wrong to be you know living in Jackson Tennessee and be a CPA in this local firm and and spend your entire life doing that. Mm-hmm. But while we're doing that, we say how do I play the part in God's story? What is what is the part that God has for me in his story? And and so me and my family going to Haiti for a few years and doing that, and we're we're not any better than someone that's that's grew up their entire life in Jackson, Tennessee, and and that's where they are. Not in any better. It's it, it's all about are we being obedient to what God has for us? Mm-hmm. And to to loving people well, to seeing him, and so it's 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 being obedient, and I think it is. It's also asking that question. It's like how do I how do I be a part of that? Because we can just shut ourselves off. Even we say, okay, I'm being obedient. I'm do, I'm in in the sense of I'm doing the right things, or I'm not doing the bad things, and so I'm living in obedience. But actually, opening yourself up to Lord, this is my life, and I want you to do what you will with it. Mm-hmm. Not it's like Jesus said, not my will but yours mm-hmm. be done. And so what does that mean in in making your name famous in in sharing the good news with the lost? Um uh, something this is a uh I think a big revelation for me in the last couple of years. Uh and I've I've thought about it before. Um, but the, it, it hit me in a new way when even things in Haiti didn't go planned as we wanted them. I've, I've thought before about living life with open hands or even this idea of a blank check. And so I say, okay, Lord, this is my life. You sign the check and you, you, you tell me where to go. You direct me and I'll go. Um, and and that's, that's not an easy thing to do uh, at all. Because we all have our own plans, we all have our own desires, we all have relationships and and things that make that really tough. But being able to live like that, mm-hmm. um, and what it took it to the next level for me the last few years, I said, okay, I really feel like you're leading us to Haiti. Let me sign that check, or, or let let you sign that check, and and we'll make that plan. And here we go. We're going to be in Haiti for a few years and all this stuff. 
And I remember the the first time that we got pulled out, you know, with political unrest. And we had no, at that point, it didn't end up being more than a month and a half, I think. Um, but we had no idea when we were going to go back to Haiti. And we were back here in Jackson, living with uh, my wife's parents, and just kind of, you know, felt a little aimless. And I, I said, God, what what are you doing? You know, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And man, he lovingly he lovingly brought me along and and has said, you know, when when we sign up with the Lord, it's not okay, you give me your 10-year plan, we'll sign up for that and then, you know, you can you can kind of see your way out. I've got this now. Mm-hmm. It's every morning walking uh, waking up and saying, here's here's my life open-handed. Here's my blank check again. What would you have me do today? Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, man, I was driving down McClellan, actually, uh, when we were home this, mm-hmm. on this time. We mm-hmm. left out of Haiti, and um, there's a Hillsong uh, song called 100 Billion Times. Mm. And it's, it's a beautiful song. And it says in that song, and I was just kind of singing along, not really thinking about it. It says, if the wind goes where you will it. So, or maybe where you send it, the wind goes where you send it. So will I. And I, and I sang that and I broke down crying because I, I can sing that, but I, but I meant, well, yeah, but not to Jackson for this period. (laughs) You sent me to Haiti. I signed up for that. I didn't sign up for Jackson after that. I already did what you asked. And so why aren't you holding up your end of the bargain? Right. And and God really did a, a work in me then, and even even in the next you know year and a half or, or whatever it was, there that man we we have to surrender all the time to the Lord and what he's what he's desi- his desire his his plans because they're so much better than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I can look back on that time and say. Now, God, why did you take me out of there? But okay, he had a purpose in that. Mm-hmm. And I can look back at the many, many months before that, that it was so clear he was calling us to Haiti. So it's like, okay, if he didn't make a mistake then, he didn't make a mistake now. This was part of his plan. So I'm, I, I got to stop questioning, well, this isn't the most effective way if I'm getting pulled out of Haiti and my family could have been there for another few months and and all these things. Um it's it's no this this is part of God's plan. So even moving from that mindset of man, let me let me live open handed in college mm-hmm. and say, okay, God, what will you have me do? Then I set up my life plans and boom, then I just right. me and my wife and my kids, we've got this now. We've got a trajectory you set us on, and we don't really need your input anymore. Thanks. Right. Uh, but every day, really being able to wake up together and say. God, where where you send us, we will go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what your will is, that's what our desire. And if it's to be right where we're at for the next 50 years mm-hmm. and to pour into people and to love them, then Lord, let that be 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 true of our hearts and let us let us embrace that with all we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we that's where I think we all um we we actually find the most freedom when we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, and when we can do that corporately, yeah, I mean, we we, we can corporately say this is the way we live, and this is the way we as leaders within a local church live. Yeah, so both the the reality of uh, how the importance of of mission uh, for a church, uh, mission is God wherever you lead and call. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna be obedient. Uh, mission, uh, yes, it's to the nations, and yep. we 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 don't want to minimize that. Right. That is crucial and that's important. But mission may all also look like I'm going to go across the street and connect with my neighbor that I don't really know. Right. And uh, and the more we can live open handed to God's larger mission, you know, right. we're 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 a part of. Our smaller stories are mm. just simply a part of his larger story that he's working in and through us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to to give you a little mini sermonette there. No, that's uh, that kind of went off a no, diatribe. That's powerful. But. I mean, I think that shows your your heart, your passion, mm. and I think that's where the intersection of where we all should live. Yeah, and what's interesting, you, you, even just bouncing off what you said a second ago, 
is, you know, how we all all play a part in that. And, and what does it look like for where I'm going? Am I just going, am I going across the street to reach mm-hmm. out to my neighbor and stuff? Is the amount of people at this church that are a part of our story in Haiti. Mm-hmm. I mean, countless people that I can think mm-hmm. of that prayed for us, that gave, mm-hmm. um, that sacrificed to give to to send us because we were support funded when we were on the ground and, and so many people that support us in so many different ways mm-hmm. um, that, man, there, there were days where it was like, this what, what we're experiencing right now, this is really tough and mm-hmm. awful. I should be feeling this more than I am. I should be more downcast. I should, and you just knew, and somebody's prayer right. is is just lifting me up in right. this moment and holding us up and sustaining us through mm-hmm. this. And and so the ways that we got to see uh, many people that they had, had they didn't they weren't called to Haiti. They weren't called to to be with Mission of Hope and to be out there where we were. But they were called in their own way. And they they were a piece of our story and obviously a piece of God's story through that and in and so many other ways. It was just it's such an awesome thing to see uh, that man the many different functions of the bride of Christ coming together mm-hmm. um, and supporting one another and like you're saying play play what your part is yeah and if we didn't have them we couldn't have been doing what we were doing so it's like you can't you can't have one without the other yeah and that's. I mean, Paul talks about in Philippians, your partnership in the gospel. Mm. There is that partnership of saying, I mean, Paul continually would talk about your your prayers are carrying me. Right. Uh, pray that I may be more bold yeah. uh, to proclaim the, the mysteries of the gospel. Yeah. And so there is that local part that is uh, continuing to either go, uh, yeah. and like in the case of you and Kristen, right. or, or stay here uh, and... We're still called the mission, right? Uh, and 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 still can have a a vision and a heart for the nations, and and that may look like financial support, prayer support, uh, short term missions, um, keeping that something that I mean, something as simple as we're as a family reading a missionary biography. Mm. You know, um, we're we're continually having uh, in some way a vision for something just beyond the conventional the conventional life that says get a good career uh make as much money as you can you know have your kids in the best schools mm. um and have a good nice comfortable safe life yeah. um you know that doesn't bring a whole lot of uh, adventure that doesn't bring yeah. a whole lot of um uh and 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 so it's it's the importance of seeing the work that you do mm. and uh the work that you and Kristen have done and Jeremy I uh you're an inspiration to me, and I love seeing uh, over the years. Uh, I think even when I first met you, there's a, just an unusual maturity that you have, and uh, I love uh, being a part of watching uh, you and Kristen move into significant ministry and how God has used your life and the life of your family in significant ways. Um, we could talk a whole lot more, but I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit of your heart today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us today on the Storyform podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.